0: Hello, I'm Hyun Sung Kang, and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund here in Washington, D.C. Global food prices have hit record highs. That's according to the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, which reported today that price levels had surpassed those seen during the 2007 to 2008 food crisis. But what are the causes behind the surge, and how has it affected some of the poorest people in the world? To help me answer those questions, I'm joined by Sean Roach, an economist with the International Monetary Fund, who's been doing research in this area, and Hassan Zaman, an economist with the World Bank's Poverty Reduction and Equity Group, who studied the impact of those rises on sub-Saharan Africa. I began by asking Sean Roach about the causes behind these record price rises.
1: There are a number of explanations, but The catalyst, what's really sparked the latest rise, has been a series of disappointing harvests throughout the world, mainly related to weather factors. We had poor weather in uh, Russia and the former Soviet Union during the summer. That affected um, wheat harvests. We had bad weather also in the U.S., and that has affected corn. And as we've moved through the the later stages of 2010 and into the early part of 2011, the effect of La Niña, which is a global weather pattern, has really started to affect the Pacific Rim and Asia and Australia, which we have seen recently from the floods. And that's starting to affect um, rice harvests, but also local vegetable markets. So you can see also that uh, local vegetable prices have been rising quite sharply in some Asian countries, again related to, to weather issues. So it's been a perfect storm.
0: Mr Zeman, can I turn to you at this point? Obviously, people around the world are affected by these price rises, but the poor are affected more than those in rich countries.
2: Hmm.
0: Tell me about the severity of the impact of rising food prices.
2: I think it's important to start with the fact that poor people consume about 60 to 70% of their budgets they, they spend on food. For people who live on the margins, any spike in these prices can cause severe drops into poverty and very worryingly sharp increases in malnutrition as well which can have long run impacts we have some figures for the price increases which took place in 2008 which is when prices spiked last and that's where we saw that there was an increase in poverty of about 3 to 5 percentage additional poor people in Africa as a result of this increase in in, poor pr- in, in food prices. That said, this time round we do observe some varied patterns which are different from 2008. What we've seen, for instance, is that in East Africa and in Southern Africa, there have been bumper maize harvests. And with those bumper maize, maize harvests, uh, maize prices, which is a core staple in those in many countries uh, around that belt, have fallen. That said, Within those countries, there are areas and pockets of, of, uh, of poor people who are not that well integrated to these markets and who have faced rising prices of other staples that they consume. So for instance, beans in Burundi is one example, where prices have gone up by about 30% in the last few months. The one good thing about Africa and African diets is that there is a wide variety of basic staples and so when local harvests of say millet, sorghum and uh, cassava are, are strong as they have been uh, over the last year, then they can sometimes balance out the impact of higher global com- uh, commodity prices. So basically
0: you're saying that if one particular grain becomes more expensive, then the local population shifts its diet and buys something a little bit cheaper?
2: That's right. To the extent that those other grains are available on the market, then, then some substitution away from core staples is possible. And, and that, that happens across the, across the world. Sean Roach, coming back to you, Mr Zaman's
0: identified some of the grains which have risen in price on local markets. What's the global picture? Which are the grains which have seen the largest price rises?
1: The grains that worry us most at the moment are corn and wheat. Um, Both have been affected by supply setbacks. One of the reasons why corn is is such a tight market at the moment is because it is not only used as a staple, it is also used as feed for animals. And as people have gotten wealthier in some of the emerging economies, a a larger proportion of, of corn has been used as feed for animals so people can increase their consumption of meat. The second important factor has been the role of biofuels. Government policy support in many advanced economies for biofuels is still very strong. About 40% of the U.S. corn crop, which is the most important crop, corn crop in the world, in 2010 was actually devoted to biofuel feedstock, so it was not used for food, it was used to make ethanol. Corn is is at the nexus at the moment, within grains of of the price rises, and that's where we see the most potential for spillovers to other food products.
0: I just want to pick up on one point, the importance of emerging markets. There's been a lot of discussion about the rise of China. How important has been demand from China, and how has it contributed to this food price rise?
1: Well, actually, China in many cases is self-sufficient. in in food products, so it's not a major importer of of, of many grains, but it is a very large importer of soybeans, and it accounts for maybe nearly half half of global trade in soybeans. Again, why it's importing soybeans is basically as animal feed, so as the demand for meat goes up, as people become richer and want a more varied diet, so the demand for soybeans has gone up. The risk from China going forward probably is related to the fact that although they are currently largely self-sufficient, they're approaching limits to how much more food they can grow in China.
0: So does that mean that they could be a potentially huge purchaser of grains as a consequence, and we have no idea how great the demand might be, but we might see demand shooting up as a result of this requirement from China?
1: That's certainly true, and another factor I think that's worth bearing in mind is Um, China is basically growing food wherever it can at the moment and in many cases it's growing it on marginal land, land which isn't particularly well suited to growing the grains uh, that it is growing, which makes China a little more susceptible to weather-related shocks. So you might see in the future more weather-related shocks in China, forcing China to go into the global market to import some key grains for which in the past it has been self-sufficient. So this is not only a trend, but it is also an issue where China is more at risk from weather-related setbacks to supply.
0: Mr Zeman, the impact of food prices on sub-Saharan Africa is not uniform. Some groups tend to suffer more than other groups. Can you elaborate on that?
2: For a start, urban consumers, poor urban consumers suffer the most. That's because they don't grow anything and they just buy on the market. Often they, they tend to buy imported grains as well. In rural areas, the, the picture is more varied. The rural poor on the margin are adversely affected, but at the same time, they do benefit from the fact that wage rates go up as food prices increase, and so they get uh, employed uh, by the wealthier farmers who clearly benefit from, from higher food prices. Now, when you break it down by gender, during economic crises, or and food crisis is an example of such, it is women who suffer disproportionately in terms of their access to food and their food intake. Because women are proportionately more adversely affected, that often means that the children they may be carrying if they're pregnant or young infants who they tend to care for are also adversely affected. What we know about on all the research on malnutrition is that if you don't feed children properly between the between when a a woman is carrying the child and until the age of two, then it's very difficult for one to rectify that damage when they're later on when they grow up, and they can lead very unproductive lives as a result. I'd like to say something about about policy issues and what countries can do. I think there there are two broad sets of policies. One is to deal with immediate increase in spikes, and for that, there is no substitute for good investments in safety net programs in in Africa. Food distribution programs, they can include cash distribution programs, they can include school feeding programs. So that's one set of programs. The second set is on agricultural supply response programs. And what we've seen since 2008, one part of the reason why some of the, 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 the harvests have been so robust in 2010 is that there has been greater investment in agriculture after the 2008 crisis. And so having that supply response, having uh, and lowering countries' uh, dependence on somewhat more volatile global markets is a very important strategy as well. Sean Roach, coming back
0: to you, Mr Zaman's mentioned some of the precautions, some of the measures which governments might consider taking in response to food prices, but what are the prospects looking ahead? What's the immediate outlook for food prices?
1: Many of the uh, setbacks that we've seen in in supply during 2010 should be mostly reversed, assuming a return to more normal weather conditions in 2011. So the outlook for harvests is reasonably good. The the risk is that we won't know about those harvest outcomes until later this year. In the meantime, people will be uncertain. We have seen uh, an increase in precautionary demand. Some governments have been uh, stockpiling food, because they are worried about prices rising even further and supplies becoming more difficult as the year goes it goes on. Other near-term risks include um, higher energy prices. We've already seen oil prices going up, oil prices and energy prices generally are a very important input to food prices. So if we do see oil prices go up further that will have a knock-on impact on food prices because they're used as um, fertilizer they're used to transport uh, food from one place to another, they're used in the cultivation process itself. And also I think that another risk that we may see, um, and we've seen some signs of this already in in 2010, is trade policy responses. It's very important that governments um, rely as much as they can on global markets and refrain from imposing restrictive trade policies, because that only serves to increase global food price volatility. And nobody is a particular winner from that strategy and then finally, I think what one particular risk that is worrying is the fact that simply global food stocks are low. So with inventory so low, uh, the risk is that further supply setback, should we see them this year, would have very large impacts on prices. And food stocks will take a long time to be rebuilt. It's going to take two, three, four years. So this is a situation we're going to have to live with for some time to come.
0: Sean Roach of the IMF with a mixed picture on the record food prices that we've seen over recent months. And I was also joined by Hassan Zaman of the World Bank's Poverty Reduction and Equity Group. And to listen to more podcasts produced by the IMF, you can find us on www.imf.org forward slash podcasts.